over to, um, let's go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Five. Look at a couple of things right quick here, and uh, try to give you something to think about for a few minutes. Over here in Second Kings five, what shows up here is what the Lord Himself calls a uh, a great man, a great man. And uh, let's go ahead and start right here. We'll read a verse in Second Kings five one. He says, "Now Naaman." captain of the hosts of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. And it says, but he was a leper. Now, what's, uh, what's going on here with this great man? He's got all these great qualities. And I just want to try to pull out a principle, brother, and just try to give you a word of encouragement here. Uh, this fellow Naaman, he's a military leader, and certainly I know you could uh, identify with that with the 14 years of military background, and uh, there's some things that go into that. Uh, this fellow here, the, the Bible even says, talks that the Lord talking about his greatness. He says that he's a great man with his master. So when the Lord calls you a great man, you're a great man. Would you agree with that? And uh, there's no debate about that. So he calls him a great man. And then he's, he's got all these great qualities that the Lord lists off here. He's an honorable man. The Bible says that he's honorable. And uh, certainly these are military top qualities and just men of discipline in general. Uh, he's a valiant man. He's courageous. He's strong. Uh, the Bible says there that, he, that the Lord by him had given deliverance unto Syria. <clears throat> so he's a deliverer. He's uh, a type of a savior, if you will, and uh, a man that would risk his own neck and put his own self out there to try to help somebody else. So he's a deliverer and uh, used his strength to help others. In this case here, he's a top-ranking military leader. And I was thinking about that, and I, I looked up some IQs of different military men, uh, different military leaders, and uh, a 140 IQ is a genius-level IQ. That's not what I have. So... Um, it's, I've never had it tested, but I'm 100% sure. But um, Napoleon was estimated to be at 163 IQ, Alexander the Great at about 180, Julius Caesar 170, Sun Tzu 165, Norman Schwarzkopf was known to have a 168 IQ, and for reference, Einstein was a 160, uh, Bill Gates about 160, and Elon Musk about 155. Those are considered to be some intelligent men. So certainly for a man to reach this level of military status, uh, he couldn't be a flunky. He had, to have, he had to be pretty sharp, according just to statistically the way that that goes. Another thing with this fellow here that would make him a great man is it said that he was a great man with his master. So he was a man that was under authority. He was a man that was able to take orders, and he was a man that was able to, uh, to do what he was told. Certainly uh, a sir, yes, sir kind of guy. Uh, he also was not a little man, didn't have the little man syndrome, because if you look down through there, it was actually the servants that he was willing to listen to when they made a suggestion. Uh, he wasn't so big trying to flex that he couldn't listen to a good idea just because it didn't come from where he wanted it to come from. 
And uh, so he was a man that was under authority, but he was still a humble man. And uh, he, was, uh, he was obviously a disciplined man. You'd never get to the level that this guy was at without having some discipline. And certainly, brother, I know that to be true of you. Uh, with your background and your testimony, obviously, to be a disciplined man. Um, but, you know, he got to a point in his life, and you know the story, and I'm going to take for granted that we know the story this morning. He got to a point in his life where he realized that even though he was an honorable man, he was a deliverer, he was a man that had position, he was a man uh, that was under authority, he was a man that um, he was disciplined, he had some, obviously, he had some intelligence, he had all these different qualities, but he got to a point in his life where he realized that what he wanted, what he needed in his life was to see God go beyond his natural ability because he needed God to do something in his life and, and do something supernatural. Now, we know for him it was because he had this spot of leprosy. And I know that that's been used as a type of salvation and a type of cleansing and all that, and thank God for that. Uh, but I also think we could look at it in terms of just a practical illustration today in terms of service. What he realized is, is it doesn't matter how much talent and doesn't matter how much ability and how much discipline and how much intelligence, you reach a point in the ministry where you need God to go beyond that and reach out and do what you cannot do. And you know, I imagine this fellow that he did all that he could and that he, uh, I can imagine him that he, 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 he wants to get clean and I can just imagine him using the best soap. He's obviously got money, and he's got some, some wealth there. We won't read the whole text just for sake of time. Uh, but he's got, some, he's got some means about him, and he, I'm, I'm just imagining him that he would have uh, access to the best apothecary and the best soaps and all that kind of stuff to try to help that leprosy. But what he realized is if God doesn't touch this, then it's just not going to get done. It doesn't matter what your IQ is. If God doesn't touch it, it's not going to get done. We all followed a man just, just that passed away just a few years ago that's been referenced over and over and over in this pulpit. Dr. Ruppman has, man, we've talked about him over and over and over. And uh, certainly was a man of great discipline and a great IQ and all these great attributes. But you know what Dr. Ruppman realized a long time ago? That it wasn't going to be by power and by might. Is that right? It was going to be by the Spirit of God. And it's something supernatural that a man is looking for. Certainly, he's got to be disciplined, and certainly, he's got to implement that. And he's got to take the intelligence that he's got and the gifts that he's got and give them to God. But every one of us needs God to do something supernatural. And see, what the Lord calls on him to do is we know the story there that he gets down there with the prophet Elisha. And he tells him to go down and get down in the Jordan. And he said, you go down and you wash in the Jordan River. And what you can see then is you can see God do something beyond what you're able to do, Naaman. And, you know, the problem is a lot of times the Bible says there that he was a great man. But sometimes what can get in the way of a great man, if you look right there in verse number 13, it says, and his servants came near. Obviously, he's told that he needs to go down there and dip in the Jordan River. And he has a trouble with that and he's struggling with that. But then one of his servants says to him in verse 13, it says, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, <clears throat> it's pretty simple. If the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean? You know what? There'll be a Jordan River in the life of everybody in here. 
and you say, well, I want to see God do something beyond me. I've got this much ability. I've got this much talent, this much money. This, I've got this. These are the gifts I have to offer. But every one of us want to see God do something beyond our natural ability. Well, see, so what the Lord tells him, he says, will you go down and get in this Jordan River? And the problem was is the Jordan, maybe it seemed like it was a little bit silly or a little bit beneath him. Because, you know, when you look at the Jordan River, I don't know if you've ever looked at that. I've Googled it and looked it up, looked up pictures of it. And I don't know, maybe it was an AI-generated image. I don't know, but either way, the one I saw was muddy. And he starts talking about these other rivers here, and he, he mentions these other places, and he talks about these rivers of Damascus. And if you look at those uh, rivers in there from Damascus, they look beautiful. I've seen some pretty rivers out around Oregon and that area out there, and they'll be kind of an emerald green color. Not green like the, if something turns green like in Alabama where I'm from, you don't, you don't get in it. You just, you just let that ride, you know. It'd be good for fishing, but don't, don't get in it. And uh, this beautiful emerald green, and I looked up those rivers, and that's what they look like. There's a, they're a beautiful color, and it looks like, they, they look very appealing. In other words, it seems like it would make more sense to go get in a river like that if you want to get clean than in the muddy Jordan River. Wouldn't you think? I mean, just for all practical purposes, it looks like getting clean water if you're dirty, you know. But the Lord said, what I want for you to do is go get in the muddy Jordan River. That's the plan. And see, he's, look what he says in verse number 11. Look where his problem comes in. He says, verse number 11, but Naaman was wroth. Went away and said, behold, here's where he messed up. I thought, not only did I think, but I was actually certain of some things. Uh, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. But first he's making assumptions and then he's sure of his assumption. You see that? I thought, speculating that surely it would go like this. Brother, I'll just put this out there to you in the ministry Sometimes you're going to have some expectation and you're going to look down the road a few years down the road and you're going to say, man, I thought surely that by now and then you fill in the blank of whatever you thought surely was going to happen and maybe the Lord hadn't met that expectation or hadn't called on you to do what you thought he would call on you to do. Maybe it seemed a little silly to him to get down in this muddy water Maybe there were times it even seemed like it'd be a little beneath him. You know, it seems like in the ministry that sometimes you can be on a, you may be qualified to teach college level calculus and the Lord says, but what I want you to do is go teach second grade math. There's plenty of people in this room that are doing things that they're way overqualified to do. Amen. There's some guys in here, just some brilliant-minded men, just, some, just, just brilliant qualifications, brilliant-minded men. And the Lord says, right, but I'm not wanting you to exercise all that. I just want you to obey me and do what I call on you to do. And I know that you can deliver Syria, and I know that you could, boy, you could ace any IQ test, and you could beat everybody in chess and all this kind of good stuff. And you get up and run four miles a day, and you do more before breakfast than most men do. You know, I tell people I do more in a day than most men do before breakfast.
But, you know, there'll be times that the Lord says, look, I understand that you're qualified and I understand your discipline. And all, but what I want you to do is put that aside and humble yourself and go get in the Jordan. And I, that's what I want you to do is obey and just dip in the Jordan. And the Lord sent you there to a Jordan. And, uh, you know, I get to thinking about, look what he says in verse 14. And I'm getting close to being done here. But in verse 14, he says, then when he down and dipped himself about a half a time down in the Jordan. Everybody see it? No, he said he had to go down there and dip seven times. And Brother uh, Stevens already alluded to it last night. And, and again, this is just spiritual application here. I don't think he was in the Jordan for seven years. But that time being like a year, just thinking, you know, just kind of practical thought here. But he had to dip seven times. I think that's a good representation of maybe even around seven years. And uh, Dr. Rutman used to say it takes seven years for a man to become the pastor of the church. And uh, so in other words, and again, just, just quoting off of his experience and going off of what Dr. Rutman was saying there, what it is is that a man's got to get down in the Jordan and he's not going to be able to dip one time and see the hand of God start moving and the blessings start flowing and maybe not a second time and not a third time, but he has to get into Jordan and he has to be faithful to just keep dipping. And, you know, there's going to be times where maybe he looks foolish, maybe the... Uh, you know, you get to thinking about that. There'll be times where the water gets cold, and then there's times where the floodwaters come, and it washes all this debris, and it's hard to stand up. But the Lord will give you strength to just keep dipping in that Jordan. And you just keep going up and down, and it gets real monotonous. So in other words, there'll be ups and downs, but you just keep dipping in the Jordan. You just keep dipping in the Jordan. And uh, you just right up there being faithful where the Lord told you to be. I think it would be all right. I think it would be okay with me saying this. Brother Reagan's been at his church almost 16 years. I know he'll be preaching to you here in a minute. He and I are friends, and we've talked a little bit. And I, I think it would be okay with me saying this, but we were talking back in June, and uh, he told me, he said, man, he said, we had 164 today, 164 people. That's a blessing. Boy, we didn't start with that. And they didn't come the first year. They didn't come the second year. I see, Brother Reagan's been there almost 16 years now, and he's just been with all the ups and downs, just dipping in the Jordan. And the Lord starts blessing the way he sees fit. And he sends who he wants to send, and he reaches out beyond a man's natural ability, but he does it when he sets that aside and humbles himself and gets in the muddy Jordan River. Amen. Everybody's... Jordan experience will be a little different. Everybody, everybody's not going to run 164 people in 16 years. You know? It's going to be different for everybody. There were different people in the Bible that had a Jordan experience. Elijah had one. Elisha had one. Elisha got to see the iron swim over at the Jordan. And Joshua got to see some stuff happen at the Jordan. But everybody's experience was different. They get in the Jordan they're supposed to get in and they just keep dipping. And then they get to see God do something beyond themselves. And here's just a word of encouragement. Whatever the Jordan River is that God called you to be in, and this would be to all of us here, whatever it is that he called you to be in, whatever that Jordan River is, because you want to see God use you beyond yourself, 
You say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, I'm not just going to speak to everybody for just a minute here, but I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, and all, you know, well, look, whatever Jordan he's put you in, whatever he's put you doing there, you just keep dipping. And in time, you see God, and, and don't get this expectation of, you know, well, I thought that it would go this way, and I thought that, well, Brother Reagan had this many people by this amount of time, and Brother so-and-so, he did this, and Brother so-and-so went to the mission field. No, no, everybody's Jordan River is, is different. Everybody's Jordan River experience is going to be different. But that Jordan River is where you get to see God move beyond your natural ability. And the influence you could have had goes beyond what it could have been because you just humbled yourself and got in the Jordan. And let me just say this. If it ever feels like it's beneath you and if it ever feels like it's too hard and it's just kind of, man, getting tired of dipping, don't ever forget all those men had Jordan experiences. But there was another fella 2,000 years ago that had a Jordan experience. I say fella, and I think you know what I'm talking about, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he was fit to be dipping in a river of life, but he humbled himself and got down in the Jordan. And said, all right, John, you put me under this water here. And if Jesus Christ can get in the muddy Jordan River and humble himself and just dip down in there, I think any of us ought to be willing to do that too. Amen. Preacher.